you have questions? Do you need answers? The Pastor Study will help you find those answers through God's Word. Our teacher today is Pastor Tom Brock. The Pastor Study is sponsored by pastorstudy.org. So grab your Bible and join us for The Pastor Study. Welcome to the Pastor Study, everybody, and Merry Christmas. Today we're going to talk about the Christmas story. I brought my nativity set here, and today we are going to talk first about the angels, then we're going to talk about the shepherds, then we're going to talk about the wise men, and then we're going to talk about Mary, Joseph, and of course, the central character, the baby Jesus. And what I want to do is get one lesson for our personal lives from each cast in the manger scene. So let's pray before we begin. Father, we do thank you for Christmas and, and all it means, which is that you did not leave us in this dark, evil planet, but you invaded and came down to save our sinful souls. We praise you, God, for sending Jesus. We ask you, Lord, to speak to each one of us now about our own lives through the Christmas story. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Christmas cast of characters and the first characters we will talk about are the angels that showed up and, and appeared to the shepherds. And so here's the lesson I want you to get from the angels. First lesson today. They exist. Angels exist. Now it doesn't say they have halos, doesn't say they have wings, but the Bible is very clear there are these supernatural creatures that are not human that are called angels. I've been a pastor for 30 years and now and then somebody will tell me their angel story. They're, I get now and then somebody, they won't tell anybody else, but they think, well, he's a pastor, I'm going to talk to him about it. They'll tell me an angel story. I have one angel story. Years ago, I was in San Diego downtown, California, waiting to take the bus to stay overnight with some friends in Los Angeles. It was night. I had a couple hours to kill, so I, so I thought, I'll walk around downtown San Diego. And I walked around and, and went sightseeing, but I finally realized I'm in a very rough part of town. <laughs> well, I got on the bus, stayed overnight with my friends. In the middle of the night, I woke up, and there was this very tall form standing over my bed. And it wasn't human, it was huge, but it, I could just see the outline of the thing as if to say, I was watching over you tonight. <laughs> I think it was an angel, that's my opinion. We had another angel story happen at our church. Years, for many years at the church I served, Hope Lutheran Church, every Saturday morning the men would pray at the altar and up in the choir loft playing the organ quietly was Helen, our elderly organist. And when we were all done praying, she'd come down and all the men would go down and we'd have coffee and donuts. Well, one Saturday morning, I went out a little early all by myself, knelt, and then the men came out. We went down for donuts. Helen, and you got to know this about Helen, she was extremely Lutheran. She was not at all into the charismatic movement, <laughs> didn't like that kind of thing. So this is why I believe this story. She says, Tom, when you came out alone and knelt at the altar, who was the man in the long white robe?
that knelt next to you. And I said, Helen, there was nobody in a white robe out there this morning. Oh, yeah, is there some play in church tomorrow, somebody in a costume or something? I said, no. Well, who was the man in the long white robe? I said, Helen, there was no man in a long white robe. And she just kept insisting. Finally, I said, I don't know, Helen, maybe it was an angel. And she said, no, this was real. Well, about a week later, she comes back and she says, I don't think it was an angel. I think it was the Lord because his hair was long in the back. She thought it was Jesus that showed up. And if that indeed is true, what that teaches me is when we pray is when Jesus shows up. <laughs> he showed up at the prayer meeting. But here's my point. Angels really exist. And according to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, it says, some of you have entertained angels without knowing it. If, you, if somebody knocks on your door it's, and they look like a normal human, could be an angel. So the first thing I want you to get about angels is they exist. Second cast in our cast of Christmas characters are the shepherds. Now let's talk about shepherds for a minute. What I learned from the shepherds is this lesson. God wants to save the morally vile. In first century Palestine, shepherds were on the lowest rung of the social ladder. You could not give testimony in court if you were a shepherd because they were so looked down upon as liars. They were kind of the roughest men in the culture, not, not known for being morally pure people. These guys were rough, but who are the people that the angel first goes to to announce that the Savior is born? The shepherds. So what I learned from that is God wants to save people who are morally vile. Years ago on this program, we interviewed a woman who was a prostitute. And she told her story of, of her horrible life and then how Jesus saved her. Because Jesus loves to save people who are morally vile. Um, I, I, as a pastor, now and then somebody comes to me and they confess their sins. And sometimes you hear some pretty awful stuff. My job as a Christian pastor is to assure people, look, if you're sorry for that sin, no matter what you've done, if you're sorry and you will put your trust in Jesus and his death on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins, you'll be saved. <laughs> and our job as Christians is to convince one another that even though we are morally vile and everybody is, we're all sinners, Christ has come for sinners. Martin Luther had a barber who was very guilt-ridden. And when Luther would see his barber, the barber would start telling him all of his sins, and Luther, I'm such a sinner, there's no way I'm going to heaven. Finally, Luther said to the barber, Sir, never be so vain to think that you can outsin the grace of God. And what I learned from these guys, the shepherds, is God delights in saving people who are morally vile. In fact, that's the only kind of people God does save because we're all morally vile. <laughs> Next persons to talk about are, I'll just hold up two, two of them, the wise men. And here's the lesson I get, frankincense, golden myrrh, here's the, the lesson that I want you to get from the wise men. God wants to save the intellectually confused. The wise men weren't so wise. <laughs> 
they were intellectually confused. They were into astrology charts and letting the stars run their life instead of letting the one true God run their life. And on this show, again, years ago, we interviewed a woman who came out of the New Age movement. She was into the crystals and the seances and talking supposedly to the dead. All the weird, confused intellectual stuff that she had left when she came to Christ and bowed the knee before the babe of Bethlehem. And, and what I learned from the, the wise men is, if you're intellectually confused, God wants to save you and bring you the light of Jesus and the Bible. If I can just tell you my own story on this. I was a Christian in college, but I was confused. And I was going to Grinnell College, which is a very intellectual college that doesn't have a whole lot of time for Jesus Christ and the Christian faith. I took a philosophy class, and I'm going to discover, okay, what's the truth? And so the, the first week, the professor took us through Plato, and we were all Platonists. Next week, Plato tore down, uh, Aristotle tore down Plato and put his own system. Then we went through uh, Descartes, Kant, Hume, Fichte. And at the end of the semester, I'm pulling my hair out. I had hair then. And I'm thinking, well, here's all these brilliant men, and they all come up with different conclusions as to what the truth is. How do you find truth? And then in the providence of God, I was talking to a religion professor at Grinnell. And he explained what was the theology of Karl Barth. Karl Barth was a Swiss theologian known as the greatest theologian of the 20th century. And, and my religion prof said, here's what Karl Barth would say to you, Tom. The reason all these men can't find the truth is because we are sinful, finite men trying to understand the infinite, perfect God. And because our mind is so clogged with sin and, and being finite, we can't discover the infinite and sinless. The only way we discover God is if God steps down from heaven and reveals himself. He did that first and foremost in Jesus. He revealed himself on earth. And then secondly, he did it when he gave us the completed Bible. So if you want to know the truth of the universe, you don't go to Hume, Descartes, Kant, Fichte. You go to revelation from God, the Bible. That, a, a big light bulb went on for me at that point. I transferred out of Grinnell College to Bethel College in St. Paul, majored in Bible, and I'm a preacher. <laughs> because God, whatever confusion, I mean, boy, do we live in an intellectually confused age. You've got Oprah, who had just promoted the New Age religion like crazy. I'm so glad her show is off. Now you've got Ellen DeGeneres promoting lesbianism on every other show. And sadly... President Obama, when he was running for president, they asked about him about his faith, and he said, yes, I am a Christian. I believe Jesus died for my sins. But I believe other people and other religions are also going to heaven. My mother, who didn't believe in God, I know I'll see her in heaven because she was the kindest person I ever met. Hello? <laughs> Look, so you can reject Christ, and as long as you're nice, you'll go to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. So, you know, whatever you believe, we all are confused because we're all finite and sinful. If you want to understand God, the infinite, sinless, you've got to get his revelation, not your own because you'll make up the wrong stuff. You've got to get revelation from the Bible. So I learned from the wise men, God wants to save the intellectually confused. Next, let's talk about Mary. The lesson I learned from Mary is submission brings blessing. 
The angel says, Mary, you're going to have a supernatural birth. The Holy Spirit is going to keep you a virgin and give you a baby supernaturally without the aid of man. Never has happened since or before. And Mary's beautiful response was, be it done to me according to your word. And Mary teaches us, even if you've got something strange or difficult God is telling you to do, if you'll just submit and do it, you'll be blessed. And henceforth, she said, all generations shall call me blessed. Maybe you've got a difficult thing that you think the Lord wants you to do, and you're fighting it. What I learned from Mary is just submit to it and see what blessing comes out of it. I'll tell you one more story, personal story on this. When you're, a preacher, when you're in seminary, you take one year and you go become a practice preacher somewhere. You can write down where you'd like to go. I wrote down three places, Hawaii, California, or Florida, because <laughs> I don't like Minnesota. Well, and I said, please put me in a city because I, I don't like the country life. They assigned me to Axtell, Kansas. I looked it up. I think there are 30 people in Axtell, Kansas, and oh, was I upset. And I couldn't sleep, and I don't want to go to chickens and cows. And I, I, and I remember, though, at that seminary, getting on my knees next to my bed and saying, okay, Lord, if this is from you, I submit to it, thy will be done. And I could sleep. And you know what happened? <laughs> they changed my assignment. I, I got Indiana. It wasn't Hawaii, but I still, <laughs> for, it was a city. And, and when you submit to God like Mary submitted, there's going to be some blessing down the road. The next person in our cast of characters is this one, Joseph. And here's the lesson I get from Joseph. God uses the nobodies. Joseph kind of was a nobody. He was a poor carpenter. He very possibly couldn't even read. So who does God choose on this planet to raise the Christ child? He goes right past the big shots, didn't go to Caesar Augustus, didn't go to King, King Herod, uh, didn't go to Pontius Pilate. He chose a nobody to raise the Christ. And you know, maybe you feel that you're not such an important person. You, maybe you can't read, or maybe you're very sick, or maybe you're too young, or maybe you're too old, or maybe you're poor. God loves using nobodies to do his purpose. L let me get you, I get you, I get this from 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1, verse 26, where Paul is talking to the Corinthians. Consider your calling, brothers, that there were not many of you that were wise according to the flesh. That means humanly. Not many of you were mighty, not many were noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong. And the fault base things of the world and the despised God has chosen. He has chosen the things that are not that he might nullify things that are and, and uh, so that no man may boast before God. So if you think you're insignificant, that's the kind of person God likes to use. <laughs> Next character, of course, is the central character of the story, the baby Jesus. And let me tell you, I think, the main lesson we get from the Christ child. And here it is. On Christmas, we don't get what we deserve. We get grace. If you and I got what we deserved on Christmas, there would be a lump of coal in the manger. <laughs> but instead we get grace 
we get a savior. You know, I'll, I, I, was, uh, I was raised in Omaha, and my brother and I, he's younger, a year and a half younger than I am, we fought a lot, and we put mom through a lot. And mom would say, you boys are going to drive me to the insane asylum, and when I get there, don't bring me back. Because <laughs> we fought and fought and fought. And I have a very clear memory of a one, one Christmas morning, Mark and I run downstairs to the tree to get the gifts, and sitting under the tree was one red bike. Yeah. And I remember Mark and I looked at the bike, we looked at mom, we looked at the bike, and we said, this is it? Where are all our presents? And my mom said, well, you boys weren't good this year. Santa didn't bring you anything but this bike. And I, I just, you're kidding. <laughs> well, then my mom disappeared. And my brother and I are thinking, this cannot be. <laughs> and then we wandered into the living room, and there's mom lying on the couch reading Reader's Digest and tons of presents all over the floor for us. <laughs> and what I learned that day was, at Christmas, hallelujah, we don't get what we deserve. We get grace. Let me explain what grace is. Here is the Christian gospel. Listen carefully. You and I are sinful. We sin against God in thought, word, and deed every day. We deserve God's anger. We deserve his punishment. Instead, we get grace. Instead, God comes down from heaven, takes on human form. God becomes a human being for 33 years on earth, lives the perfect life we couldn't, goes to the cross to pay for our sins. He dies on the cross in our place so God could punish Christ for our sins so we could be forgiven. He rises from the dead. And the promise is if you believe in Jesus, when you die, you don't go get what you deserve for eternity. You get heaven for eternity. We're saved by grace. All right. So here's my question for you. Which person in the Christmas story are you? Are you an angel? <laughs> well, you're not if you're human, but it's not impossible that somebody you, th you met once that you thought was a human is an angel. Or are you the second person in the, in the cast? Are you a shepherd? Do you know that you're morally vile? That's the kind of people and the only kind of people God can save. Or are you the wise men? Are you intellectually confused? Maybe you're into the New Age movement and yoga and astrology charts and spiritism and seances. God wants to save you out of that. Or are you Mary? Are you presently submitting your life to God? Then there's going to be blessing coming out of your life toward others. Or are you Joseph? You're kind of a nobody. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 teaches God loves to use nobodies to accomplish his purpose. Or you're definitely not Jesus. The New Age, the New Age movement teaches that you are Jesus. No, you're not. There's only one Jesus Christ. We're not all. I mean, I went to a horrible church last Sunday. And they basically, I think, were teaching we are all the Christ spirit. Uh, you know, Jesus was the Christ spirit in his time. We're the Christ spirit in our time. No, we're not. We will never be Christ. There's only one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We will never be him. We're to be like him, but we won't be like him till we're in heaven. But right now, we all need him, the one and only Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of our sins. So this is Christmas. 
If you've never said yes to Jesus, spend some time alone today. Talk to God about your sins. Ask his forgiveness and then say, Lord Jesus, I do need you. Come into my heart, forgive my sins, and be my Savior. Get into a good Bible-preaching church and you will discover we don't get what we deserve, we get him on Christmas Day. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, can we go a little further about the characters regarding angels? Mm -hmm. How do you know if it's really an angel and not a counterfeit? And the reason for that question is 2 Corinthians 11:14. Yes. Paul the Apostle is writing 2 Corinthians 11:14, and he's warning the Corinthians about the false teachers in the church. There were these false apostles who claimed to be apostles who weren't really, who were leading the Corinthians astray. And then Paul adds this line, and no wonder, because even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So you got the devil who can appear as an angelic creature. So Jackie, if you have an angel float into your bedroom tonight, it might be an angel. It might be the devil. So how do you know if, if, an, if you have an angelic vision that it's really an angel or really the, uh, something else? Well, you test everything against Scripture. The Bible is our final authority. And so if the angel is telling you something that's unbiblical, like go kill your parents or something, you don't believe it. And if, if what the angel tells you is in accordance with the Word of God, then it's very well an angel probably. But we need to be careful about this stuff because, again, the New Age people, they're into angels. But I don't think what they think are angels are angels. I think they're demons. Okay, Pastor Brock, who exactly were the wise men? And where did they come from? Yeah. Uh, you know, we sing the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are. There's three mistakes, okay? First, they weren't kings. They were wise men in the sense that they were the caste of, of men who gave advice to the kings. So they weren't kings, they were advisors. We three kings, it doesn't say there were three. There could have been 50 wise men that showed up. They had three presents, so people assume they must have been three kings, frankincense, gold, and myrrh. But it never says there were three kings, it says there were three gifts. So we, we three is wrong, kings is wrong, from Orientar. Well, it uh, depends what you believe about the Orient. They were probably from Persia. So that's probably the area they came from. So that, the, the wise men would have been into astrology. They would have been confused. God gave them a miracle, gave them the, the, the sign, the, the star and everything. That definitely was from the Lord. But all the other stuff they did with astrology was not from the Lord. And I'll say this to people. If you're a Christian and you're reading astrology charts, horoscopes, you're going to seances, get rid of that stuff because the Bible condemns that as an abomination. Pastor Brock, at Christmas especially, we hear about the Immaculate Conception and we hear about the Virgin Birth mm -hmm. more often than mm -hmm. the rest of the year. Yeah. What is the difference or yeah. are they the yeah, same? Just, people get confused. The Virgin Birth teaches that Jesus was born of a virgin, the Virgin Mary. So the, the Virgin Birth is all about Jesus. Roman Catholics believe in a second doctrine, it's very separate, called the Immaculate Conception. And they believe Mary was born perfect without sin. Now, Protestants don't see that in the Bible, and it's not in the Bible, so I don't believe in the Immaculate Conception. I think we're to honor Mary, but I think she was a sinner in need of a Savior because she herself calls God her Savior in Luke chapter 1 or 2. So that's the difference. Okay. We also talk about the word incarnation a lot at mm -hmm. Christmas. Mm -hmm. Can you explain incarnation? Yes. 
Enkarnos, Greek uh, means in the flesh, incarnation. So when we talk about the incarnation, we're talking about the day God became flesh. We believe that Jesus is the eternal God with the Father and the Spirit, one God, three persons. But at a point in time, he actually became incarnate, enfleshed, took on a human body. The, the bad thing about the New Age movement, Jackie, and I saw this at a Methodist church, they kind of think we're all the Christ. God, God incarnates himself in all of us. No, he doesn't. He incarnated himself in Jesus. You're not God, Jackie. Neither am I. Now, we're to reflect God. Okay, if that's what they meant, okay, but I don't think that's what they meant. So it was a very troublesome Methodist church. <laughs> all right, well then, is it right? And, and Methodists don't believe that. I'm okay. sorry. Yeah, but this one kind of did. Is it yeah. right then to say that Jesus and God, the Father, are equal? They are equal in their divinity, meaning this. All three. Per I just got a phone call yesterday from a man who, who, who said he believes Jesus is God, but not eternal. That God the Father created Jesus. I said, it doesn't work that way. If Jesus isn't eternal, then he's not God, because God is eternal. So what we believe is there's one God in three equal and eternal persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus and the Spirit are equally God, as God the Father is God. Now, still, Jesus submits himself to the Father. He's the son who always submits himself to the Father. But Jackie, you're a wife, you submit to your husband, and that you're not any less human than your husband, but that's just the way marriage works, the way the Trinity works. The Father is, is the head, if you want to call it that, but the Son, Jesus, eternally submits himself to the Father. Not that they're, they're all three equally God, but they just have different functions, if you want to put it that way. Okay, Pastor Breck, we've just got one, a little over a minute left here. Christmas can be a really hard time for people, especially people who have lost someone yeah. or in, with things happening in their life mm -hmm. and that. Um, what advice would you give for people who might be going through that kind of depression? Well, you know, if you try not to be alone. Try not to think too much of your dead husband. I mean... If, if, if he was a believer, you'll see him again. I'm not going to read it because we don't have time, but the tearjerker poem is called, I'm Spending Christmas with Jesus Christ This Year. I'll just read the first two stanzas. I see the countless trees below, around the world below, with tiny lights, heaven stars reflecting on the snow. The sight is so spectacular. Please wipe away that tear, for I'm spending Christmas with Jesus Christ this year. I mean, th this one's hard to get through. It's such a tearjerker. But if, if your loved one who died knew the Lord, you'll see them again. So, you know, try to rejoice in, in, this, in Christ in that. Yeah. Well, we want to thank you for being with us this week. Um, at the end of the program, we're going to be showing you our website. If your church or your organization is looking for a speaker, it'll tell you how you can contact Pastor Brock if you'd like to have him appear. Um, we pray that God would be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings, and that you remember that truly the reason for the season is Jesus. And we'll see you next week on The Pastor's Study. Thank you for tuning in to The Pastor's Study. We ask, would you pray for our ministry as we seek to spread the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ? And would you pray about supporting this ministry? Our address is The Pastor Study, 5200 Emerson Avenue North, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55430. Our website is pastorstudy.org. And our phone number is 
260-4484. May God richly bless you and join us next week at the same time as we study God's Word. Until then, may the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you.